it's Lian here. I really enjoyed hosting the season one of Learn FM, and thank you so much for tuning in and your support. I have something to share. I have moved on to a new role within DSM and also moved to a different part of the world. The good news is Learn FM will still continue. I'm really excited to hand over this role to my lovely colleague Lisa, who will be your host. I am sure that you enjoy Learn FM very much with her too. Thank you so much, Lien, for the introduction and the official handover. It really is a pleasure and honor for me to step into your shoes as a host of the podcast Learn FM. I'm excited to continue this Learn FM journey with our audience and guests with their stories to share. Cheers to some inspiring and fun learning moments. And now, are you ready for the next Learn FM episode? Then let's go. Hi everyone, you are tuning in to Learn FM. I'm Lisa Gärtner and together we are going on some exciting learning adventures through this podcast. We get to discuss topics related to learning, growth, personal development and more. I hope you take the time to digest the information that we will be sharing and start applying some simple tips and tricks into your daily life. And of course, very important, do not forget to share your learnings with others because when we learn together, we grow together. Let's take some time off screen to listen to this or even go outside for a walk. And of course, always be mindful of your surroundings and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by DSM, a global, purpose-led, science-based company in nutrition, health, bioscience and sustainable living. Applying science to improve the health of people, animals and the planet. DSM's purpose is to create brighter lives for all. In this episode, we will be touching on the topic of sustainable value chains. Why do we believe here at DSM that it is important to unlock the value of sustainability? Because the food and feed industry represents the most important value chains of all. We will also address the crucial role of data. Reliable, accurate, nutritional and environmental data are flowing through every stage of the value chain. From various feed suppliers all the way through to farms and ultimately to consumers. But to unlock the true potential of sustainable value chains, we at DSM also know that we cannot do it alone. We need the support of our customers, our business partners, our suppliers and other important value chain partners. To gain deeper insights into how we at DSM use our expertise to make this happen, I am delighted to welcome Heinz Fladnitzer, Global Director for Emission and Value Management. Heinz, a warm welcome. Thank you very much. Heinz and I, we are both from Austria and we are both actually sitting in front of each other in the same room at the moment. To kick this episode off with you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what's your role within DSM? Yes, thank you very much for this uh, kind invitation to this podcast. Um, as you said, I'm also from Austria, I live south of Vienna and I joined DSM uh, two years ago via uh, the acquisition of Herbal uh, Group Biomin and I held the role of executive director at the time and I was responsible for HR and operations. And uh, uh, since uh, two years, I'm also in the, in the team around environmental uh, services and my role is emissions value management. This, uh, this means to uh, develop and implement uh, solutions for our customers towards more uh, sustainability. It's a role across the whole value chain. So uh, starting from 
from the animal farming to processors uh, down to CPG companies, retailers, and it also includes other stakeholders like, for example, the banking sector as well. Thanks for the short introduction. And before we are diving deeper in today's topic, I would like to continue with Learn FM's tradition and have our audience learn some random facts about you. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> as your holiday destination, do you prefer mountains or the beachside? I, I, I like both, but if I have to choose, I prefer uh, the mountains. <laughs> as Austrian, you have to say that, right? <laughs> and the one million dollar question, what's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure is uh, I like sweets. So in the morning, instead of having a coffee, I prefer having a hot chocolate. Yeah, oh, chocolate is always good. <laughs> Heinz, if you could pick one sentence why you enjoy working for DSM, what would that sentence be? I like the opportunities uh, DSM offers. Thanks for sharing. You now already survived the toughest part of today, I promise. <laughs> so while I'm sure that we all already heard about terms such as reducing carbon emissions and net zero strategies to tackle climate change. Could you please tell us and also elaborate on your introduction, what exactly is emission value management and how does it even link to the food industry? Yes, uh, so when we look at uh, the emissions, around one third of the emissions are, are coming from the, from the food sector and around 14.5% are coming from the agricultural sector. We see nowadays more and more companies really making commitments how to reduce the footprint, the environmental footprint, and we see also a high potential um, which, can be, which can be realized. Uh, so more and more companies are giving, uh, giving their own commitments and uh, say we would like to reduce our emissions, but not only our own emissions, but the so-called uh, scope 3 emissions. Scope 3 means I don't look only at my, at my company. I also look at the emissions of the upstream and downstream. So meaning of my suppliers and of my customers. And this makes it much more difficult also to realize because I cannot influence it directly to, to reduce the emissions. We are developing solutions Uh, and also business models, how, this, how the customers uh, can improve the footprint. And also, as I said before in my introduction, it's not only looking at, uh, at one part of the organization or of the value stream, it's looking at the whole, uh, at the whole uh, value chain uh, from, uh, from the uh, animal farming uh, down, also down to the, to, the, to the retail sector and also to, to banks and other stakeholders. And why do other stakeholders also uh, uh, have an interest in this? It's because they all gave commitment. And what drives banks is also that they and, and other stakeholders is uh, that they, uh, first of all, they feel they need to contribute to it. But what mm -hmm. is a, a, another big driver is, is about reputation as well. Right? Mm -hmm. Nobody would like to get in, uh, in contact and want to be uh, in, the, in the hot spot for uh, being mentioned as yeah. not looking at the environment, not improving, they're not also contributing uh, mm -hmm. to it. This was actually one of my next questions because mm -hmm. you were talking about the, the drivers and about the mm -hmm. companies, why they should be or are engaged into sustainability. What is your take on that? How can we improve the world in this way? And what's the role of the government here? We see here really a big change over the last years. So when you look at uh, 15 years ago, it was really driven only by from the governmental side, from the public side, and uh, sustainability was 
used here or there by companies, but not uh, that much and not really consistent with any, with any actions. And then uh, around, when you look around 10 years, 12 years ago, then the whole period started when everything was about sustainability reports. Everybody had a sustainability mm -hmm. report. Um, I do not know how much this, I cannot tell how much this really contributed to improving uh, the environment. I also don't want mm -hmm. to know how many trees were cut for printing all this. But then uh, the next period, some years ago, started about defining KPIs. So saying it's not only, I'm not only describing some activities, but about what are my targets, how can I improve it? And what uh, recently started is it's not only about having KPIs, and uh, so meaning uh, targets, key performance indicators, but really having credible uh, targets and credible KPIs um, based on which we can improve the, the environment. And uh, we also see the, the next uh, stage, the next phase will then uh, be for sure. So after all this, these promises, the commitments, what has been realized? Mm -hmm. And at, at the end, it will be, it's really a main driver is here about, and motivation of the companies is, uh, first of all, of course, it's about the, their commitment they gave to their investors, they gave to, to the market, they gave uh, to their customers. But we see also other tangible uh, benefits uh, behind it. Right? So, for example, um, they need to meet customer requirements. Mm -hmm. So more and more customers also asking their suppliers, what is your, what is your footprint? What, the, uh, what kind of uh, footprint is coming with your products, uh, what I'm buying uh, from you? Uh, when you look at the banks, uh, they look here at the, the environmental KPIs to see, to, to price the risk, basically, right? Do mm -hmm. I want to do business with you at all anymore? Or uh, do, I, do you get uh, better conditions? Because also this uh, has a, a high footprint, also has a, a negative impact for the bank's footprint as mm -hmm. such. So we see really a lot of different uh, reasons here. Uh, but I think one is, I think is very clear. There must be also tangible benefits, tangible reasons that companies engage in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and there must be some motivation also. Uh, some part is extrinsic and some is intrinsic. Since you have quite some experiences in functional leadership in previous top managerial functions, I'm curious how you manage a cohesive approach to ESG across all these functions. And just for our audience, ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. It's very important that sustainability uh, is really lift from top, from top management. Uh, it does not help uh, if, uh, if uh, top management uh, does not walk the talk uh, and uh, only communicates about sustainability. So it must be lift there. And what I also experienced is uh, many companies do have a, a corporate strategy and a very different sustainability strategy, which is just managed by a sustainability department. And mm -hmm. at the end, it never fits in together. It never uh, reaches the, the the other part of the organization and, uh, um, and other managers. So I see it must be lift from the top. Uh, it's uh, walk the talk. And then it does not matter at the end which department, uh, with which department you work mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you lead. It's always the same approach and it must be part of the mindset. Mm -hmm. Speaking of department, probably the CSR department, corporate social responsibility, closely being linked to ESG. Isn't exactly. It? I mean, it's very important that they, that they guide through this process and help here. But at, at the end, it must be a one consistent approach. I'll give you a little example. I just was recently at the customer presentation and they had it together with our president for ANH, with mm -hmm. Ivo Landsbergen. And uh, he was discussing his part was on, on strategy. My part was on sustainability. 
And at the end, uh, Ivo basically gave already half of my presentation because in his strategy presentation already a lot of the sustainability topics were included. Yeah. That's what I mean. It needs to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was a confirmation also for you that it's going in the uh, same direction exactly. within the company. Yeah. While I was doing my background research for today's episode, I came across one of the strategic initiatives called We Make It Possible that for me seems to aim to steer everyone, all the key players along the food value chain into one direction to perceive sustainability a joint effort. Does this mean now that we are shifting our mindset from value chains towards value networks or even an entire food industry ecosystem? Definitely. This is also my experience, uh, what, what I learned in the last years. It's not so much a sequential approach that you only look uh, in the value chain uh, who is coming before you, so your supplier, and who is coming after you. So it's really about network here, uh, working together. So you have a lot of projects, initiatives, where you have different players along the value chain working together uh, with tool providers, uh, working together with banks. Right, mm -hmm. and it's not falling on logic. Uh, not, does not fall necessarily the, the sequence of the of the value chain as uh, the traditional one. So it really requires here much more uh, multi-dimensional thinking and network thinking, mm -hmm. and look across uh, all players uh, regardless of the of the sequence uh, in the in the physical network mm -hmm. in the physical value chain. Mm -hmm. And the magic words that I'm hearing here is working together. So when we speak here about entire networks, ecosystems mm -hmm. and the future of food systems, how important is it also in the context of innovation, science and in, in mm -hmm. technology to follow a more co-creative approach based on collaboration, synergies, mm -hmm. knowledge sharing amongst business partners, customers, but even potentially competitors? Mm -hmm. Definitely, this is also important uh, in terms of the, the sustainability topic cannot be managed by just one part of the uh, value chain or of the value network. It cannot uh, manage only by one player, not by one department. It's really a cross layer across the whole, as you mentioned before, Lisa, the ecosystem. And yeah. uh, so th uh, there are a lot of corporations uh, done here, for example, solution providers work here together uh, and hardware providers uh, work together with solution providers on this uh, to, to define certain Uh, uh, certain technologies and you are not able to, to cover everything, right? You, you're good. Many companies are good in certain uh, special fields and then it's good to have other companies who cover other expertise. And there are different reasons for that, right? Uh, it's difficult to find people on the market, right, that you cover it all. And it's also a kind of risk mitigation strategy if you don't, do not need to involve in all investments, in, in all topics uh, by yourself. But I think that the broadest need for that is to cover a wide range of capability and know-how uh, together across this, this whole mm -hmm. part. Because it, again, it, it really covers, sustainability really covers all. So highlighting the, the co-creative, collaborative approach here. And what role does innovation, science and technology play in driving and influencing sustainable food systems? Uh, data, data and also methodologies, how to, how to measure uh, sustainability is absolutely key. You cannot improve it, you cannot work on it if you don't know what is your baseline and if you cannot, uh, if you cannot measure it afterwards. And uh, so uh, data plays, plays a key role, a crucial role. And we also see that data is a driver for innovation. Because with data, if you have good data as a producer or as a company, uh, this is exactly my footprint. This is not industry average data, mm -hmm. but this is my footprint. Then I have also a good reason to differentiate from other peers in the market 
And this is this is a strong motivator also to do to do more, to go the extra mile, and to also to contribute to the sustainability. And it's also important not only have data but having credible data. Mm-hmm. Because what does this mean? What is credible data? Credible data means that these data are coming from reliable sources. Mm-hmm. That also the output uh, uh, you generate with this data via methodologies is science-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can see quite some examples, right? Where companies in the past, they wanted to do something good for sustainability and mm-hmm. they really have a lot of initiatives, but they simply uh, did not follow this rule about credible data uh, placing messages which could not be verified mm-hmm. and you get immediately bad press. And you're immediately in the in the spotlight where you don't want to be. And Heinz, could you give us an example of a viable science-based, data-based solution out there? So uh, there are tools, right, and uh, databases which which uh, work with verified uh, data. So, for example, also VSDSM, we offer here a one solution, Sustel, where we where we are linked to a database of uh, from our partner. So it's another example for partnering at our partner Blanc, and who provides us uh, the database uh, to which we link up, and this is verified data which can be used also for our purposes of calculating the, the footprints for our for our customers. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But when we talk about science-based, data-driven, isn't it quite subjective? So when can we really talk about reliable science? Uh, this is a very good question because everybody is talking about sustainability in a certain in a certain way. The, the question is, can you can you believe in it? And uh, we talk about uh, scientific uh, based when we use, for example, methodologies to to calculate the footprint which are coming from from research institutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to come from external sources, or we're taking methodologies. Um, we are taking methodologies like the EUPEF. This means uh, product environmental uh, footprint, and this is a methodology to to calculate the 16 environmental impact uh, categories. And this is something coming from the uh, European Union. So we're following mm-hmm. this this approach we, because we see this is the best available. And we also, what we, for example, don't do is there are a lot of uh, different topics out there, what should be measured and what not. And if we do not see that there is already good methodology behind, good data behind it, we simply say currently we don't offer it. Mm -hmm. We don't want to compromise on the quality and on the the science-based approach. Mm -hmm. So there a clear pushback then saying no. Yes. You're not offering we, it at the moment, yeah. And okay. we do have some gaps here where we say we don't offer at the moment, yes. Mm-hmm. So no, so really practice what you preach and not promising something that we cannot keep up to. Yes. And um, I also see that there are quite some confusions around the the words organic and sustainable. What is your take on that? Is this still something that needs some clarification and some education? Definitely. This is something which is... Uh, Uh, which is currently mixed up by uh, consumers, uh, but also by even players in in the value chain, right? When you talk about uh, organic sustainability, uh, uh, biodiversity, etc., some some of these aspects go in the same direction, but it does not mean that it's exactly the same. I give you an example. Mm-hmm. If a customer or if a producer produces organic, right, this does not automatically mean that you reduce the footprint. It could be that you even increase the environmental footprint. For example, that uh, you may need more water, that you may need more land for that. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not everything always going in the same direction and the consumer needs to be very well aware what, what uh, does he go for when, when he makes a choice. 
Mm -hmm. Does this also refer back to the confusion between an organic label and eco-labeling? Maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that. Yes, the eco-labeling, this is uh, something which developed over the last years. And what is the overall purpose of, 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 of this so-called eco-labeling? It should give uh, transparency to the consumers. And it should tell the, the consumer in a very easy way uh, if product A is more sustainable than product B. And how does this work in practice? In practice, there, there are, again, also calculations behind to calculate a, an, overall eco, uh, an overall score. And uh, this is, as you might know, from the refrigerators. Mm -hmm. You have, for example, an A, B, C, D, E. Yeah, uh, they are yeah. attached and the same the is also currently the letters and this is also currently developed for the food. Mm -hmm. The same way that you see is orange, right? Has a, has, a better, uh, has a better footprint than the banana. And what we see also is important is that again here that you really work with accurate data Mm -hmm. that you don't generalize it because we see also, for example, transportation also is quite, has quite some impact on the footprint. And so it's important where for the product is coming from, right? And mm -hmm. how is it, how is it uh, sourced? Um, good point again, accurate data. So bananas with a lesser footprint, I usually always buy one at the supermarket on my way here. Does this mean that my bananas are going to be even more expensive in the near future? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, this, of course, these, these measures, they have an impact on how, this, how these products are being produced. But then there are different measures available. I mean, some, they will add some cost, right, uh, on, the, on the producer side. Uh, some others may even lead to more efficiency. So, for example, I need less resources, I need less input. So there might be some efficiency gains. Um, we did some... We did some analysis, also some evaluation on that uh, some uh, time ago, and we, we evaluated what is the correlation between, between sustainability claims and, and the price. And we saw it, it's, uh, there are some categories, like for example, in the dairy sector, in cheese, we could see some significant changes or some significant higher prices also for this kind of uh, cheese. But we see it's, it's not only because it's not necessarily because of the price, but it, this is something also uh, because it has additional value also for the customer to, to buy it. But what is the goal, right? And must, what must be the challenge for the industry, for the, for the players is to absorb of the cost as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Not to necessarily just pass it on and the consumer pay at the end. I think it's also a, a, a challenge for the industry to ensure uh, also here innovative, creative ways uh, to absorb these costs and, and not just uh, give it one-on-one -on, -one, uh, on, on top of the, of the current product price. Okay, so that means in the future I will still be able to afford my banana on my way to work. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced, yes. <laughs> so, and when thinking of us as individuals, yes, yeah, individual household or me as an individual employee, What can I do? What can I personally contribute to make our world better? I see here, I mean, a lot of things you can do, right? But uh, what comes into my mind uh, first are, are two answers. The first one is about when you, when you buy products, right? Then also look here at the footprint, right? And uh, also compare it here with these eco-labels. Uh, and uh, this is something uh, which is now more and more available for the consumers also to, to make here the, the right choices. Uh, secondly, um, did you know one third of the food is wasted? So it's a, it's a, it's a big it's a big part which is just uh, which is just wasted. Mm -hmm. And there are two main influencing factors where they are they are wasted. And the one is at the consumer side. So um, when you look, for example, at goods and you look at the expiration date, mm -hmm. uh, the day after you already feel bad when you eat it, right? But yeah. most products most products you can still eat. 
right? So it uh, without having any harm, right, uh, on, on to quality or to safety. Mm -hmm. So that's why also some companies now are changing it to not just expiration date, but uh, um, a use by, right? Mm -hmm. To say giving more a recommendation, but you can still eat it uh, uh, afterwards. And the second, besides the, the consumer, also along the, the, the process, we see also that uh, along the process, when you just look at it, again, at the dairy sector, about one third of the, of the products along the production chain until it reaches the shelf is also waste, right? Mm -hmm. There are different reasons, for example, that could be that when you put all the milk together in the tanks, right, there's a contamination in there and, and uh, contaminates the, the whole uh, milk delivery, right? Um, It's also about shelf life. So there are also ways to and uh, attempt to uh, increase the shelf life of the product. So also the, in the production cycle, also there, there are a lot of opportunities how you can reduce the waste. And I would see this as, as two examples so you can really also contribute to that. But you as a consumer, uh, probably the latter one is really about buying what you're looking at, the right footprints uh, of, the, of the products yeah. and then avoid waste. Yeah. For sure. For the eco-labels, the letters you just mentioned, A, B, C, E, is this a globally unified categorization? Europe is the driver here. So this is in Europe. I mean, it starts, it's kicking in also in, in North America, also uh, now a bit more in, in Latin America. But Europe is, is clearly the driver there. So uh, eco-label in the Western Hemisphere, as in the Western part, like uh, US, right, it's much less of, of, of a topic than it's here. In our region. For sure. I mean, there are also already great applications out there. I don't want to uh, make any promotion to like apps where you can double check the, the stores around you and see what food they're offering that would have been otherwise wasted uh, at the end of the day. And this will come more and more, right? Uh, these kind of apps, what you're just uh, mentioning, to really have increased the number of touch points, the number of interactions mm -hmm. you have with the consumer. Because you, as a consumer, you don't go them from shelf to shelf and scan every product, right? Exactly, there yeah. will be different touch points also there that you see, and it will be a kind of automatism that mm -hmm. you see it, what is here uh, really the, the footprint attached. Um, and you will also see it probably on the invoice, right? And it will also... It will also tell uh, then also the, the, the shops, right, about your uh, purchasing behavior, right, uh, in which direction you are. But I really like this mindset change that is already mm. happening among, among the society. In particular for the younger generation. Exactly. Right? In particular for, for the, the future generation, or the, 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 so the younger ones. Uh, so, for example, when I talk to my, to my boys, right, they are, they are mm -hmm. 15 and 11, uh, they look at this much more already than, than we did yeah. when we were at oh, the definitely. And I know that one of your missions in your current role is to unlock the value of sustainability, which is, by the way, something that immediately caught my attention when I was reading your headline on social media. But apart from that, what is it that personally really gets you excited and motivated as director of emission and value management? Where do you see some quick wins for us in the future in terms of sustainability? So what motivates me and excites me is It has an impact, right? You can contribute to something which, which has an impact. I like this, this way very much about that it's about credibility. It's not about uh, telling stories. Mm -hmm. It is about, it's about making truly an, a difference, right? And contribute to it. It might be a small part, right? What I can contribute here, but still it's something positive uh, for the society. The second part, what I also like and enjoy very much, it's, uh, it's, it's a very much in a fi very fast evolving space. 
So you learn every day something new and everybody learns. There are no routines there, yeah. right? No, uh, some people might have done it for, for decades, right? These topics, but still uh, it, it, there is so every much new development. Day. Every day is something, it's something new coming up, yeah. so new developments. Uh, the whole uh, space really develops uh, uh, very fast. And you just mentioned the small part. So I truly believe it's about celebrating also the quick wins, not just thinking very long term, but really seeing, okay, what can we change from day to day? Yes. And for some final words and thoughts, what would be your personal advice to our listeners and learners out there? Is there a key learning message you would like us to take away from today's episode? For me, that one of my, my key learnings is uh, it's time for action. Mm -hmm. right? We see a lot of discussions going on. Also, when you look at the different conferences at the COP27, I think nobody can really be satisfied with the pace, right? How, how fast decisions are made. There are a lot of uh, documents signed, memorandum of understandings in different ways. But what is really binding, right? What is really commitment? And this is missing. And I see this is, uh, it's really time for action. It's uh, time to do something, right? And it's not to wait until uh, uh, government and regulations coming in. But I think this is also all our responsibility to do, do something. And if there are enough people who start to do something, I think also we can contribute to a better world. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I will definitely take that with me home and reflect upon your words. And now that we are already coming to an end... How are you feeling? How are you doing? Thanks. I'm feeling very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I enjoyed the, the discussion with you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Heinz, thank you so much for being with us on this episode. It was an absolute pleasure. And I guess or hope I will see you in this office buildings anytime soon. Thank you. Likewise. Also, look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. -bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Learn FM. If you have some hot topic ideas or a particular guest speaker that you would enjoy listening to, you might want to be one of my guests in a future episode yourself, or you just want to leave some feedback about this podcast, then please feel free to drop us a message under learn at dsm.com. And don't forget to share what you have learned from this podcast with others, because when we learn together, we grow together.